Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Cool. Um, We've been in this series looking at prayer, Matthew chapter 6. He started out with Jesus saying how not to pray, and he was basically saying don't pray for the crowd, don't be bothered about what other people think, don't be sort of focusing on that, think about your heavenly Father. Then he taught us how to pray, which is the Lord's Prayer. So if if ever you think, well, I don't know how to pray, that's not true because he told you how to pray. He said, this is how you pray, and you can always pray the Lord's Prayer. And I find as I start to pray that, it kind of shifts me into the relationship with God, and I start to think, oh, father before long I'm not even I'm stuck our father he's my father you know and then we can kind of go off on this it's not just a pattern for prayer it's a way to prime the pump people like to get us praying and um, we, 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 then we talked about some last week some of the practices of prayer we looked at things like uh, fasting and forgiving and, um, and um, we also looked at the whole idea of giving as being disciplines of prayer they're all related to it um, to being if you like a spiritual person And um, today we're going to start to look, this week and next week, at the results of prayer. Because the idea is that this prayer is going to make a difference. Not just in terms of the things that we're praying for, but it actually makes a difference in me. About the kind of person I am. And I'm going to show you something today. If you can get your piece of paper, the other one that's got the picture of the birds on, which is like the the, the slide that's going to go up, which uh, that piece of paper that looks a bit like that. Um, and And a pen. I'm going to invite you to do an exercise. If you do this, I was thinking, if you did this every single day, you would be a completely different person within a month. People would be like, who are you? You've changed. You would be like nobody else. You'd be like lots of people you don't even... People, people you, like, would be, who is this? If we seriously took this seriously and actually did this, this really, I'm not over it, I think it would change everything for many people here in the room today. And, it, and so you've got your piece of paper, and in a minute I'm going to tell you what to do with it. But um, first of all, I want to read to you what Jesus says from Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? And can any one of you by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life, in other words, to how long you live. And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it's the Gentiles, the pagans, the unbelievers who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. See, the story is often told about a rich young businessman who went down to the harbour one day and saw this guy sitting next to, uh, like he's a fisherman, he's just lying lazily next to his boat. So he said, why aren't you out there? Why aren't you out there fishing? And the guy said, well, because I've caught enough fish for today. So the rich young businessman said, why didn't you catch more fish than you need? 
Well, wh why would I do that? And he said, well, because then you could earn more money. He said impatiently. Then you could buy a bigger boat. He said, well, this boat's fine. Why do I need a bigger boat? He said, well, then you could go out deeper and you could catch more fish. And then you could buy bigger nets too. You could catch even more fish and you could make more money and get boats and have people working for you. And soon you'd have lots of money. You'd have a fleet. You'd be rich like me. He says, and then what would I do? He said, well, then you could sit down and relax and enjoy life. And he said, well, what do you think I'm doing now? So the question is, when's enough enough? Why do you think straight after telling us not to focus our lives on materialism and the pursuit of earthly treasure, Jesus talks about not worrying? The reason is because the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Vanderbilt, W.H. Vanderbilt, one of the richest men who ever lived in his time, said the care of $200 million is enough to kill anybody. There's no pleasure in it. Now, I don't imagine there's many of us that our worry is too many millions, but we can all find something to worry about. What tops the list for you? That's what that paper's for. What, you, what who are you worrying about right now? As I'm talking, write them down on a piece of paper. Just start to write some things down that are, that wor are worries for you, that are concerns, things that stress you out. We call it stress because that's, like that's the acceptable term for worry. It's like the executive term for anxiety. So it's great. I can just see people immediately, you know the, some of the things that you're worrying about. Start to put them down as I'm speaking. Fill it out the page as much as you want to. And you can keep on adding to that as things come to mind. Just write all over it. Nobody else is going to be looking at it. Don't worry about it. Because we're going to look at, are they covered in the list of things that Jesus said don't worry about? Well, let's see. First of all, he said, do not worry about your life. And the Greek word there literally is, is uh, sorry, we'll put the next, next slide on, is, uh, is, is breath. It's like, uh, it's suke. It's what we get psyche, psychology from. Psychiatric. So it's health, mental and physical. Mental and physical health is, is included in that word of life. He's saying, don't worry about it. How many of us worry about our health? And how much does worrying about it help? How many of us worry, you know, people, how much does it help your mental health to worry about your health? You know, I, I sometimes worry about my health. I have this, when I go on the internet, I can usually find something wrong with me. <laughs> Before very long. I got these symptoms of this thing the other day, pretty sure I've got it. It's called hypochondria. <laughs> my, Zoe agreed. She said, oh, you've had that for years. But Jesus says worrying can't increase your lifespan. It's not going to make you live any longer. A fear of ageing and death, I think, is at the root of a lot of our society's focus on exercise and diet. It goes beyond just looking after my body and wanting to have a healthy life. It becomes about the fear of death. And they worry about it. And again, the worry leads to the opposite effect. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us at all. So, Jesus says... Don't. Why? Like I have a choice. Do not worry. 
And this was not a suggestion or just a wishful thinking. The, use that, the word that Jesus uses, the construction of it, you know, is, is an emphatic, imperative command. Do not. Which puts it outside of the realms of feelings. Now, I know some people immediately are going to be thinking, well, you don't know my situation. You don't know how big it is. You don't know how, how huge it is. Okay. Is you worrying about it better than God dealing with it or helping with it is it too big for God so that you have to still worry about it that's the question because basically when I start to make when I start to worry more and pray less I'm saying I'm in charge of that and I'm not going to trust God with that and that's why Jesus takes this out of the realm of feelings. You can't command the feeling. Now, of course, we're still going to have the feelings, so that's fine. Go ahead and recognise the feelings. They're real. The emotions associated with it are very real. I understand that. That's true. But feeling in an emotion isn't the same as dealing with a situation. There's a guy called Viktor Frankl. He, he said, man does not simply exist, but always decides what his existence will be, what he will become the next moment. By the same token, every human being has the freedom to change at any instant. He wrote that in a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is an incredible book. There's a picture of uh, Viktor Frankl. And uh, if you've never heard of him, he, he survived three Nazi death camps. Saw all of his family killed. Oh, my Kindle's just died again. This is not good. Happened last time. Um, has anybody got like a charger thing for a Kindle? Don't worry about your Kindle dying. <laughs> he says this, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Thanks, Rob, you're amazing. So he's saying, something happens to me. Do you know two people can go through the same thing completely differently, can't they? You can have the same thing happen to two different people and their reaction to it is, is, is what makes all the difference. Because it's not just what's going on externally that's the difference. It's, it's what's going on internally. I look around our church and I think about so many people that are going through some or have gone through some incredibly difficult things. And the way they've come through them has been very different than the way lots of other people might have dealt with them. And I think that's because they've got this internal fortitude, this internal thing going through God. You know, if you're watching the World Cup, you see these people, uh, you know, kicking this poor little ball around. <laughs> you ever, ever, anybody ever thought about that ball? You know, they're really hoofing that, aren't they? All over the place. And nobody ever says, yay, ball. Nobody ever cheered for the ball. But the ball takes a proper kicking, doesn't it? All over the place. And the thing is, it's in internal pressure. It's, there's something inside of it that is stronger than what is going on outside of it. And I think this is what, what, what God's talking about, about uh, it, that, that to have something inside of us, to have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, to have this assurance and, and confidence in who our God is on the inside of you 
is what's going to help you to be able to cope with those external things. So it's like, you know, there's a stimulus and a response, something happens, and there's a gap. If we'll let there be, sometimes I don't let there be. Sometimes I just oh, immediately respond. Something's happened. What am I going to do? Better worry. Quick, quick, worry, worry. Text some people. Please worry with me. You know, no, this is too big for me on my own. I need some worry partners to be able to, uh, to you know, properly deal with this situation. And we choose our response rather than just be responsive and say this is what kind of has to happen. We get to choose what we think and what God says. You're free by choice. Now, so, the, so Viktor Frankl in the concentration camps, they would make him do terrible, humiliating things to break him. And then what he did was he would choose to do it again. And he said, in that moment of freedom, in that moment of choice, I was free. Because I'm not doing this because you're making me now. I'm doing this because I'm choosing it to be able to do it. It's an incredible book. And the Lord sums up the necessities of life in three things. Here they are. Next slide. Food, what will we eat? Water, what will we drink? Clothing, what will we wear? Now, they're all necessities, aren't they? They would all be right up the top of that hierarchy of needs that... Um, that Maslow spoke about but he spoke Jesus spoke to a group of people who didn't have taps full of water malls full of clothes shops full of food and he said to them don't worry about these things and he's not saying don't think about these things because we will do and it's natural that we'll think about these things but what he's saying is take no anxious thought about them don't be and he's like talking about preoccupation don't be so preoccupied with those things that you miss out on what's really happening in life. Somebody calculated 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 30% happened in the past so you can't change it anyway. 10% of what we worry about relates to health and worrying about it doesn't help, as we've already established. 8% of worry this person worked out is legitimate. Now some of you who are good at maths are worrying about the other 12%. And you especially need to listen to the rest of this message. <laughs> the most recent seven-year survey published in 2017 shows six people in a hundred have a generalised anxiety disorder. Three in 100 suffer from depression. And such conditions are real, common and treatable. But in the meantime, for those living through them and those who are supporting them, it can be terribly debilitating, and we understand that. Pastor Rick Warren, whose, whose son struggled with mental health issues for the whole of his life and a few years ago committed suicide, says we need to remove the stigma about this and the church should be speaking about it more too and play its part in supporting people with such struggles. I'll quote him. He says, we absolutely have to begin to treat mental illness as an illness like any other. Just as any part of our bodies can suffer illness, such as diabetes or cancer, our bodies can suffer illnesses as well. That illness can be caused by trauma, by chemical imbalances, or by hereditary factors. Being sick is not a sin. And neither is living with mental illness. The number of antidepressants given out by the NHS has more than doubled in the last 10 years. There are no figures for how many people are actually on them because the NHS don't actually record that. 
But in 2016, the latest figures I could find, that there were 64.7 million prescriptions written for antidepressants. And that was a shock at the time the figures were released. But the people who were prescribing them, and some of the experts said, actually, that shows it's a good thing because people were getting the help that they needed. And we're actually feeling that they could go to the doctor, could go and speak about these things. So we thank God for the professionals. And we thank God for the, there's, there's people like uh, the Lily Joe project. Lily Joe's in our church and she's got this incredible online resource to be able to help people. We need to understand and support all those kind of issues. And we need to do more thinking about the mind. Actually, we need to think more about our own thinking. What do you think about when you think? A thought is a silent word. What words are most often in your mind? What are the words that you play over and over in your mind? Through prayer, we come into union with God's word. We bring our words and we put them in union with his word. We come in, into line our spirit with his spirit. And, and I want to talk about, in a minute about like kind of Bible brain training. The Mental Health Foundation offers a course of mindfulness, which is really just about being in the moment. You know, there's books and all kinds of courses. You can, it's basically being in the moment is what mindfulness is. The question is, what's your mind full of? And they said that that's proven as effective as antidepressants, reducing anxiety levels by 58%. 2,000 years ago, I think Jesus knew all about mindfulness. Because he said, consider the birds. Think about the wildflowers. Consider the lilies. The word consider is basically pause for a moment, stop and think. Ponder. Make that your focus. No wonder, I mean, when did you last take time to do that? Even when we got the park, we're stressed out with all kinds of stuff we've got to do. No wonder we, I feel a bit overrun. You're going to feel overrun when you don't stop, look and listen. Your brain is not designed to make you happy. God made your brain to keep you safe. It's always scanning the environment for what's wrong. That's what it's doing. It's looking for what's wrong all of the time. And it wants to send you know, endorphins and everything into your body to protect you. It will send these things to make fight or flight responses happen. But the saber-toothed tiger isn't there anymore. So what do we worry about? In verses 25 and 26, Jesus unveils the major problem with worry. It's, it's me focus. It's me centred. It's all about me and my little world and how do I protect my little world. So we worry about stuff like, have I got enough? Have I got enough money? How much is enough? Like that question about the fisherman and the businessman. Have I got enough people liking me? A survey conducted by the Royal Society for Public Health recently found Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all led to increased feelings of depression, anxiety and poor body image and loneliness, especially for 14 to 24 year olds. Why do we push our kids onto that? I think we've got to help them. Will I ever get done? There's always more to do. How am I ever going to get it done? So here's Bible training. Bible brain training, Philippians 4 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Ponder, consider, take a minute, have a breath, think about what's right, because your brain's always looking for what's wrong 
consider. As, as Eugene Peterson puts Jesus' words in the message, Jesus says this, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over all those things. But you do know God and you know how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out and you'll find all your human everyday concerns will be met. This is about trading my expectations for appreciation. When I start to do that, when I start to appreciate what God has done for me, who God is, that he is my father, that gets me grateful. And you can't have gratitude and worry in the same heart. You can't have worship and worry in the same heart. Corrie ten Boom said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strength. That's so good, I'm going to say it again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. It's totally counterproductive. But getting out in nature, instead of sitting in church, we can all go soon. Observing and stopping and appreciating something as incredible, as simple as a flower retrains my focus. There's there's an award-winning botanist and scientist called Alan Kay said, some people worry artificial intelligence will make us feel inferior, but really anybody in his right mind should have an inferiority complex every time he looks at a flower. Because that is an amazing thing that God made right there. So Jesus points to a flock of birds and he says, look, look at those things. They don't sow, they don't reap. As I was writing these notes, I was writing these notes, I was looking out into our back garden and there's this big fat wood pigeon happily going up and down, eating up all the grass seed that I'd put down. (laughs) Just to show me. Why, you know, why be worrying about it? When did you last sit and close your eyes and just listen to the birds singing? Why do they sing? Because they don't worry. Because they're not fretting about stuff. They just want to make music. They don't go and stockpile stuff and have extra. There's a little poem somebody put together years ago, overheard in an orchard, said, The robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no, earthly, no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Everybody worries, now you can pray. Everybody worries, you can always pray. Which do you do most? Worry or pray? The result of praying more should be that you worry less because you handed it over. In a minute, I'm going to show you what to do with that piece of paper, but keep on adding things as I talk. We're going to finish in a minute and the band are going to come up in just a few moments. But over and over in this year of prayer, we've seen how Jesus wants us to think about God as our heavenly father. That means you're his child, as we sang before. And in a healthy, functioning family, the, when I was a child growing up, I never had to worry about, I never thought about how my dad would pay a bill. I never had to worry about whether I'd have anything to eat or, or shoes to wear. I've been very fortunate in that respect. But really, when we worry, we should stand in front of a mirror because actually what we're doing is praying to ourselves. We're praying to somebody, you can't do anything about it. But you can pray and you can do something. You can pray to somebody who does something about it. So, I don't know if you've ever given your life to Jesus. Because he talks about don't worry about your life. 
We talk about giving your life to Jesus. But sometimes we say we've done that and then we take it back. Oh yeah, I gave my life to Jesus in 1996, but ever since then I've been taking it back. So today, we're going to pray, I'm going to invite you to fully give the whole of your life to Jesus. For some people it could be a, a first time thing, but what a contrast. Why, what if the world saw the church as the people who didn't worry? It doesn't mean we won't have problems, it just means we've got a different way of being able to deal with them. What a contrast, what a way for us to be able to shine our light in every dark place, for us to be able to do this. As D.L. Moody put it, careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. Isn't that a fantastic way to live? Why worry when you can pray? So have you ever given your life to Jesus? Why don't you close your eyes for just focus for a minute. I don't know if you've ever done that, but just to really give your life to Jesus. And maybe you realise, even as I'm saying it, actually, to be honest, I, yeah, I might have even said I gave it a while ago, but I've taken it right back. And I'm worrying about so many things. You can give your life to Jesus now. He paid, he paid for your life on the cross. He paid for it all. You belong to him. And he wants your heart and your worries and your wonderings and all the mistakes, everything that you've got wrong when you sinned or others sinned against you. You can give it all back to him. And just simply, if you want to do that, why don't you kind of push it up to heaven, put a hand up to heaven and say, I'm giving you my life right now. I'm pushing all these worries and concerns right up to you. I'm giving you my whole life, everything I've been concerned about. You know, we talk about this giving our lives to Jesus. This isn't just praying a prayer once. Just push it up to him. Give it up to him. What have you been worrying about? Who have you been worrying about? Just take a hand up and push it up to him. You're my father. Just like a child would give it to dad. Just push that up to him now. As the band come up and sing, here's what I want you to do, everybody. Just look at the piece of paper. And those things that you're worried about, maybe the things that you worry about, write on it any other things that still come to mind or anybody else. You know, people come to mind about their names or what about my job? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? Where are we going to go? How am I going to cope with this? Just actually at the top of that, put life. My life. Write that on there. And then above it, right at the top somewhere, just write Jesus on that piece of paper. Just write Jesus on the top. Or if you want to be deeply spiritual, just put, Jesus, please help. All these things. And what you just done when you did that was take your worry list and turned it into your prayer list. That's the thing. If you did that every single day this week, wrote down the things that you're worried about and concerned about, wrote them all out, be honest to God about all, every single one of them, just put them all down there, and then right at the top, Jesus, and focus on the name above all names. All right, Jesus, please help all these things. That could change everything because you're making your worry list into a worship list. You're making it into a prayer list. You're making your to-do list. God, there's some things I need you to do. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.